0: Hi my name is Joseph LaFleur. I am originally from Southwest Louisiana but now live and work in Washington DC. I am a licensed psychotherapist and certified Daring Way facilitator. I provide individual therapy and facilitate Daring Way and Rising Strong intensive weekend retreats to my patients and others who are interested. I also practice somatic experiencing therapy. For more information on my services, visit my website, districtcounseling.com. This podcast is about the struggles of gay and bisexual men and authenticity. It discusses anxiety, depression, shame, compassion, self-compassion, and common humanity. I will start with a case study from one of my patients. As with all my case studies, any identifying information has been disguised and all proper consent protocols have been followed. Tommy states, The first nine months I came out, I was free. Free of all these gender norms I had desperately tried to achieve. And I must say, I had done a pretty good job of fooling those who knew me. I had just come out and announced to the world I was gay, I was free, I could be myself. It was the most freeing, time in my life. And I had a great time, boy did I have a good time, coming out in New Orleans was great. But soon I realized I wasn't making any real deep connections with gay guys, nothing substantial. So I moved to D.C. There were tons of gay guys there. But shortly after I moved and started to meander the gay scene, an undercurrent of pressure started to seep in. I found myself questioning myself. I felt like I wasn't enough, just fill in the blank, I wasn't blank enough. So many guys to compare myself to, they all seemed to have more. So many good looking guys, better looking than me, better bodies, better jobs, better friends, happier lives. I felt like I had fallen short, but I was determined. I loved the club scene, I loved to dance, I loved the music. I loved being around all the beautiful guys. It was a great escape into the imaginary. But I wasn't one of them and I desperately wanted to be. So I started to go to the gym and got on a strict carb-free diet. I started to lose weight. But that still wasn't enough. I got my hands on steroids and started injecting. The gym became my second job. I spent many hours there. And I did get my body to where I wanted it to be, or at least the best it could possibly be. Enough to start getting attention. I got a new haircut, bought trendy club clothes, and made a few friends. I would go out every weekend to one club and then another, and of course there were the after-hour parties. There were drugs involved. They numbed me enough to let loose and have a good time. I started to blend in. I wouldn't really say I belonged. Not sure if anyone felt they belonged in those situations. After a while, I got involved in a relationship and left the club scene behind. I continued to go to the gym and worked on my body to make it as perfect as possible. I had a little work done to help. I strived to be the perfect partner. Was open with the relationship at times, but really didn't enjoy it. But it was what good gay boyfriends do. When that relationship ended, the focus became my career. I decided to get another master's degree to make sure I was competitive, although I really didn't need it. I just wanted to keep a competitive edge. I needed security, and since school had always been my go-to, I went back and got a degree that I really didn't need. I excelled in my career was hired for power positions. I worked hard long days, still including the gym, and had to be the perfect employee and prove my worth, although no one ever told me or even hinted I wasn't doing enough. I continued to follow the latest fashions and trends, tried to go to all the gay hotspots including Rehoboth, Provincetown, Fire Island, Paris, Barcelona, Madrid. Amsterdam, and other popular gay destinations. The whole time doing things I later regretted and still not feeling any real connection with others. And worse, I started to lose connection with myself. I wasn't being very true to myself and authentic. To be honest, I didn't even know what that meant anymore. Eventually I got involved in another relationship with people that reinforced what all good gays do so I added a couple of new things to the list in order to fit in. My face-down moment came soon after the relationship ended. I found myself at a popular sex club indulging in a bit of party and play, or p and as the guys call it. I found myself in a dark room surrounded by several guys laying in a sling with my legs spread, eagle, and someone's fist in my ass. I looked around for the guys that had surrounded me. Their bodies looked nice, but to be honest, I really couldn't see their faces very clearly. It was too dark. It was a dark scene. It suddenly hit me. The gay subculture I so desperately wanted to be a part of had its hands in my ass, and I am nothing more than a puppet. Everyone telling me who and what I should be. Everyone was calling the shots but me. Everyone had their hands on the strings, directing me to be this or that, controlling my every movement. Hell, I didn't even know what I wanted, or if I was even enjoying myself in that sling. I was just doing what everyone else was. I was nothing more than a puppet, with everyone having their fingers in me, on me, pulling all the strings and deciding what I should do. It's like I could not think for myself anymore. No discernment at all. What had I become? I felt like nothing more than a zombie walking around numb, trying to perfect an image I thought I had to maintain. What a wake-up call. There has to be more out there, I thought. More to life. More to all this disengagement and artificial connection. I was so disconnected from myself. The other guys in the room who had their hands and bodies on me and in me I realized I was more myself before I came out. I quickly excused myself and left the place. And it didn't seem to faze anyone. There was another me just waiting to jump into the sling and take my place. What was I lacking, I wondered. I wanted so much to belong. To belong to someone. To belong somewhere. I didn't even belong to myself. So much effort and time, and the result was nothing. I felt so disconnected from myself, from reality, from everyone. I realized I needed help. My sick mind was not going to cure my sick mind. I would have to reach out to someone, and that scared the shit out of me. Was I that weak and feeble? Why were all the other guys having so much fun? Or were they? Stop, I thought. Who cares? It's that kind of comparison that got you here in the first place. I needed to take care of myself. Tommy's story is disturbing, but not uncommon in the gay community. The details might not be the same, but most gay men can relate to going to the extreme lengths to be perfect, to feel worthy, to numb themselves through alcohol, drugs, food, or shopping. The desperation to fit in and belong is immense. Once in therapy, in order to address these issues, Tommy had to dig deep and go back to a time where all his negative self-thoughts and negative narratives began. This was childhood. Like all children, he wanted to belong to his parents and his immediate family. Children rely on parents for food, shelter, and the physical necessities of life. More importantly, though, they need the love and acceptance, the warmth and acceptance and compassion from those they cherish. Children believe and trust what their parents say about themselves, others, and the world around them. They desperately rely on their parents for survival and to learn how to make it in the world. Sadly, though, for little gay boys, parents direct criticism at them telling them that their every move and gesture is wrong. Their desires and wants are shameful. Parents try to control them through constant criticism or neglect. Like sponges, these little boys internalize their parents' and family's criticisms. They develop ongoing disparaging narratives inside their own minds. Narratives they have developed from the voices of those close to them The glances of disgust and disapproval. Their parents' disappointment and shame become the running scripts of who they are and who they should not be. Their authenticity is mutilated and shut down at a very young age. Survival for affection and belonging become the central theme in their life. They have to learn on their own how to make it in the world that says they are not enough. At such a young age, way before the age of eight, and even as toddlers for some, long before having sex and sometimes before even learning about sex, these little boys suffer rejection from their peers and fathers. If they are lucky enough, their mothers may try to protect them and shield them in some way or another, but not all. For Tommy, surviving meant learning to disappear or conform to the expectations and beliefs of others. Instead of being himself and following his natural way of responding to the world around him, Tommy became a puppet long before entering the gay culture. Unable to trust his own internal prompting, he relied on others to pull his strings and acted in ways that would bring him emotional safety. And that meant trying to conform to the ways of others. These unnatural responses became the familiar. Being disingenuous brought about safety. It was better than being pushed aside or under constant emotional assault. He learned to act as the straight boys did, at least enough not to be pushed aside as fruity or strange. Are we to blame the other boys? They were likely given the same messages by their families. It was easier for them to conform because it aligned with their natural authenticity. Maybe they also weren't given the tools how to react to those who were different. Maybe they too were confused by gay boys' behavior or their own bisexual and homoerotic fantasies. They had their own heteronormative social conventions to learn in order to survive. Unfortunately, gays were easy targets to take their aggression out on. Regardless of the reason, Tommy and most of us grew up without positive and safe relationships with others, much less males. We lacked the twinship and mirroring so desperately needed to grow into authentic men who could truly show themselves to others and experience any semblance of self or normalcy. In order to survive and when Tommy could no longer be invisible, he learned quickly to become who his parents, peers, and teachers wanted him to be. Like Tommy, most of us became great students or charming kids, artistic and creative. Some of us turned in on ourselves even more, denied our differences and poked fun of ourselves and others. Or we became troublemakers, engaged in alcohol, drug, numbing ourselves however we could to deal with the feelings of being different and and unlovable. No matter how aware or insightful we were toward ourselves, we still needed the love and acceptance of those who were telling us we were not lovable. The shame of being unlovable haunts many gay men to this day. We are still convinced at times and have the mantra that we are inherently unlovable. Along with our parents, families, and peers, we came to believe that we were unlovable. Then it became about self-protection. It's about shielding ourselves from harm. The critical narratives that we are flawed are on autoplay in our mind. We are not enough and we will never be, yet still we try. The criticism of others actually give us hope. If we are being criticized and told to change who we are, then that must mean changing who we are and our core selves is in fact possible. And doesn't religion have a superb way of doing this, especially Christianity? We often hear the Bible says you are a sinner, and sinners can be saved. You just have to announce to everyone that you have accepted Jesus, and you will be saved and belong. Of course, the message is nothing but a shame feeder. You are not enough as you are, but if you slice away a part of yourself, you will be enough and belong and be worthy of love from God. Become something you are not, disguise who you are, and God will love you. Until then, you are a shameful sinner. What a cruel fallacy. How many men have given their life up to Jesus to be saved, only to find that their sexual cravings and desires have returned? Then Jesus becomes the main critic that mutilates our lovability. This creates distance, not hope. Maybe one day these churches will not use shame and fear to increase monetary funds to keep churches alive. Maybe they will learn that love and acceptance will bring about prosperity and true spirituality. The truth is that in order to truly belong and experience joy and the spiritual interconnectedness with other humans, one must learn to embrace their authenticity, their sexual orientation, behaviors, and mannerisms. That is what being truly human is about. Until then, the voices of, you are not enough, you are not worthy, will persist. By the time we are adults, we have developed very sophisticated defenses in hiding who we are. After his aha moment at the sex club, Tommy states he isn't even sure who he is. Layer after layer of armor must be uncovered. Most gay men believe that once they came out, the horror would be over. They can truly be themselves. But what does that mean? We step into this culture with a pre-existing desire to be loved and belong. The same old defenses and strategies for being loved and accepted are still ingrained in us. They do not simply vanish once we have arrived. Don't get me wrong, for some of us, we feel free. It feels great initially, but with time and exploration of our new world with our new mentors and new playmates, we discover that a new culture exists. It's one of perfectionism, numbing and foreboding joy, foreboding joy meaning that nothing good will ever last, so enjoy it cautiously. We already have built-in armor and neural pathways. The shame and self criticism are fully engaged, and we begin to resist our authenticity once more. Instead of embracing ourselves and others, instead of embracing ourselves and each other, our lack of common humanity defenses kick into overdrive. We truly believe we can attain all the ideals that are being thrust upon us, they are so easy to get caught up in trying to attain something that is not part of who we are. We have been doing this our whole life. As with all cultures, people have valued traits. People in these cultures have some of these traits that are better than average, some just average, and others below average. Regardless of where we stand on the scale, we believe we can achieve the better than average rankings. In fact, just as children trying to survive in a heteronormative world, these cultured values become our new perfect. And like our childhood selves, we still carry the mantra, it can and should be attained. Attain it at all cost. Our acceptance and belonging depends on it. Once again, our critical self-thoughts take the form of an inner dialogue a constant commentary and evaluation of what we are experiencing. It's harsh and brutal. These new narratives are the same as the old ones. You are not enough. No one will ever love you. And if you show your true self, you will be hurt. Because of our unsupported childhoods, we tend not to trust others, thinking that if we start to truly care about someone, they will eventually hurt us. And what a self-fulfilling prophecy. Who has ever been hurt by someone they truly love or has truly loved them? It's inevitable that you will be hurt in a true relationship. Hurt is something that must be worked through in any successful relationship. The fear of being hurt by others creates a state of fear in our new interactions. A culture where we should all be the same. Unfortunately, people who are criticized and critical of themselves are more likely to criticize and judge others. For some, we are so concerned about being judged or criticized, we can never be fully present with others that truly matter. We may even seek out friends and romantic partners who are critical, hoping they can give insight into what is truly wrong with us. We may undermine the closeness and supportiveness in relationships that we so desperately seek because they are uncomfortable. The idea of someone telling us that we are fine the way we are causes suspicion and confusion. We must always be striving for perfection on some level, or we are worthless and have no purpose. The certainty of rejection and falling short is safer because it is what we are familiar with. In our newfound culture, our minds latch onto negative thoughts about ourselves falling short. These thoughts run on repeat, ruminating over and over again in our minds. They seem uncontrollable, they are intrusive and recurrent. These shame scripts are the feeders of anxiety and depression. And why not? Because at any cost, we are still trying to feel connected with others to belong somewhere, and to belong to someone. We have not realized things have changed. We do not have to be in survival mode anymore. We are grown men now and self-sufficient. Without connectedness, there is a longing for belonging. There is loneliness, anxiety, and depression. We must learn that in order to feel truly connected with someone, we must accept and honor their humanness and flaws. To be human is to be flawed. We must learn and experience that our humanness is accepted by others. That is when true connection happens. That's when we feel we truly belong. When we are in touch with everyone's inadequacies and failures and know that this is a shared experience, we can feel the true common humanity in each other. We can embrace each other that is when true connection happens that's when we feel we truly belong when we are in touch with everyone's inadequacies and failures and know that this is a shared experience we can feel the true common humanity in each other we can embrace each other when Tommy was able to grasp the idea of common humanity he began to get better but it took courage Rarely can common humanity be felt in an individual session with a therapist. It takes a group setting. When it happens, it is one of the most moving things that can ever happen and be experienced. As a therapist, I have never felt anything more moving than a group of individuals moving into common humanity. Feeling compassion and self-compassion and allowing true empathy to come alive. Ironically, though, the idea of having group sex with complete strangers, as Tommy was, can seem easier than a group in which men are being vulnerable and opening up about their shame narratives. Truth be told, you are vulnerable in either situation. The idea of a group session can be terrifying because people do not want to own their need for interconnectedness. Especially if you have been marginalized all your life and your survival was based on disconnection. How cruel to live the first part of your life disconnecting from the deep longing of belonging in order to survive. And then the next part of your life admitting the longing but not knowing how to achieve it, not knowing how to belong. And I'm not here to discount the necessity of disconnection as we are growing up. I grew up in an area where it was perfectly reasonable to commit suicide because one was gay. The survival techniques and armor were needed. The danger was real. But now they are not. And you have to learn to lean into the uncertainty of loving and being loved and all the joy and hurts that go along with that. With the aid of your perfectionism, numbing, and foreboding joy, you have now developed a support network of acquaintances and friends. Or maybe you have no one. If you are truly honest with yourself, is the longing and yearning still there? You may have the good looks, the perfect body, the killer job, endless friends and acquaintances. Everything you need. But are you still ruminating? Are there bouts of anxiety and depression still? Are you still self-critical? Are you shutting down in life? Always tired, but not a sleepy tiredness, more of a malaise? Not all men are like Tommy, but many do describe having to rumble with their shame and their purpose in life. Learning to be authentic and self-compassionate is not an easy task. It can be a long and painful journey for some. Many never get there. The destructiveness of trying to belong, self-criticism, perfectionism, and lack of self-compassion is common amongst all of us. Beneath our facades of perfection, success, and beauty, we are war-torn victims suffering the effects of trauma and shame. Anxiety, depression, addiction, and numbing behaviors are the result. are we still the little boy trying to hide his true identity? Do we know what authenticity truly means? Are we brave enough to show up and truly be seen? Do we feel we deserve what we want and need in our lives? Do we feel worthy of true belonging? Can we accept our imperfections? Our humanness? Can you give yourself the gift to truly experience common humanity? As gay and bisexual men, we have resilient stories to tell, if we choose to own them. Many men I see in my practice have had the courage to attend Daring Way and Rising Strong intensive retreats I have provided. They focus on shame resilience that is based off the research and methodology of Brene Brown. I am continuously struck by the courage and vulnerability of these men and women who attend these retreats and moves by common humanity felt in them. In these groups, common humanity is no longer a concept. When felt within the group, it is warm, loving, compassionate, empathic, energizing, and relieving, yet that description still does not do it justice. They are powerful experiences that I wish for everyone. They give the information you need to be truly happy and the tools needed to do so. People who participate in these workshops come away clear on what steps they need to take in their lives to be more happy, what steps to dull the negative narratives and shame scripts. If you are interested in attending one of the Daring Way or Rising Strong retreats, please contact me. You can also visit my website, districtcounseling.com. I am based out of Washington, D.C. I do have men who fly in to take these retreats. I would like to acknowledge three authors and books in creating this podcast. The Velvet Rage by Dr. Alan Downs, Rising Strong and Daring Greatly by Dr. Brene Brown, and the book Self-Compassion by Dr. Kristen Neff. Hi, this is Joseph LaFleur. Thank you for listening to my podcast. For more information on me and my services, please contact my website, districtcounseling.com. Again, that is districtcounseling.com. Thanks again.